You're listening to a podcast from New Life Church in Fort Smith, Arkansas. To learn more about New Life, find us online at newlifechurch.tv or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. I love Jesus. Let's put our hands together for him. Come on. If you got your notes, why don't you take those out? You also have some papers. They're like in every other seat around here. Uh, this is our Life Group Launch Sunday. It's a little bit different, so if you're a guest with us today and you're just kind of hanging around, uh, we don't do this every Sunday, but out in the foyer and about uh, some of our newer groups and some of our group life groups that are not uh, full, they're going to be signing up. So what you can do, if you get bored, you can flip through there and look. And never, this is what we tell people, never just sign up for one group. You'll probably get in it. There'll be a lot of weird people in that group. And then, and then you'll have to quit the church to leave. But you just sign up for two or three uh, groups. And, you, and listen, God wants you to be in relationship. Isn't that the truth? God created you to be in relationship. And you can't grow spiritually. And there's things that you will not get healed of all by yourself. And, and gr- even growing as a disciple, you need people in your life. Some of you need better friends than you have right now. Some of you got toxic, negative friends. You got to dump them, get rid of them, and find you some new relationships. You know, you, you need that. Back in 2008, this, this uh, young kid was studying uh, judo, and he was getting better at it. And uh, he was in an accident, and his right arm, uh, they had to amputate his right arm. And he, and he thought he was going to have to give up on this dream. Uh, but his coach was from Japan, and he said, don't give up on the dream. And so after he went through a lot of healing, a lot of physical therapy, he got back in with his coach. And his coach taught him a move that nobody could defeat. They call it the one-arm judo move. And uh, in 2008, this kid won state. And he, and he ended up winning. He became national champion in judo because the only way to get out of this move was to attack the right shoulder. And he didn't have a right arm. And, and everybody was complaining, this is not fair. But he learned how to be better with one arm than he was with two, right? This church has a one-arm judo move against the devil. And let me tell you what it is. It's life groups. When you get into a group, the Bible says a three-fold cord is not easily broken. Like Satan can pin you a lot of different ways when you're all by yourself. But when you have some other people that are around you, he's like, I can't say fair, God. Every time I attack them, they have four other people praying against me. It's just like it's that one-arm judo move. So this is what you do. This is going to be a little bit shorter service. You find a group to get in. Would y'all do that for me? And just try it. If you don't like it, leave it. Amen. Crawfish out. Amen. Y'all good? All right. Uh, one thing, write this down at the top of your notes. Would you guys be praying for Pastor Rick? Just write that down. He has been having some major problems with his vocal cords. And, uh, and it is going to take a long time to heal. And uh, uh, up to three months minimum of no talking. And uh, we just need uh, God to touch, to touch his vocal cords. Uh, thought it was just like a sickness or an illness, but there is some damage. And it's going to take a long time. 
and, and we'd pray for every campus just to be praying for him. And, just, and uh, especially if you do what we do and we speak a lot or you love encouraging people. I mean, uh, how many of y'all would like to go 12 weeks without talking? I'm talking about yourself, not, not your spouse. But I'm talking about like just you, all right? So, we, so y'all be praying for him, okay? All right, turn to Daniel chapter 3 and let's pray and dive into this. Father, we love you. Uh, I, I pray that, the, that your sweet presence would be in this place, that you could settle down our minds and our hearts, that we can hear from you in the minutes that we have left together, uh, that you would just take any distraction, and we just lay that at your feet. And I just pray that you would wake up our spiritual ears so that we can hear from you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. We're in a series called God at Work. Last week we taught out of Daniel chapter 2 and we said, what do you do when somebody asks you to do something that you can't do? Anybody ever been there before? Either your boss or your wife or your kids are asking me to do something or you're taking a step in business. You're like, I don't know if I can do that. So we learned how Daniel responded even as a teenager. How many of y'all remember how old he was in in Daniel chapter 2? Y'all remember? He's 17 years old. Okay. This week we're going to Daniel chapter 3. And I want you to understand this about uh, Daniel. In in the book of Daniel, we see that God promoted him nine times in the book of Daniel. But he he had nine blessings that came upon his life, and they came directly after nine different tests. So I I would tell you this is a principle of life. When God tests your character or he tests your integrity, he tests some areas of your life, he's getting ready to bring a blessing. Sometimes, if you don't have enough character, you can't handle the blessing. And so he tests him, he tests him, and then he's promoted. So Daniel goes from being a prisoner of war, and in 70 years, nine different promotions, he goes from being a prisoner of war at 15 to the second most powerful man in the Babylonian Empire when he's 85 years old. So we get to Daniel chapter 3, and this is the whole test. What do you do when the heat is on? And this whole chapter is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace. What do you do when the heat is on? I remember in the 80s, in 1984, there was a movie that came out called Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, Eddie Murphy was in it. Uh, My parents told me I could never go see it. You know, I always wanted to sneak around and see that movie, but they told me I'd go to hell if I watched it. And so, who watched that movie? All right, we'll see you at the altar in a minute. All right, here we go. So... So, uh, if you, if you uh, lived through the 80s, like you were a teenager or an adult through the 80s, raise your hand. Okay, there were, movies were different than they are today back then. In the 80s, a movie had to have a signature song that went with it. You know what I'm talking about? Like now they just have a movie and then they roll the credits and they have some weird beat. But back then, you needed a song. And you were going to listen to that song in, in the radio, driving down the street. You were going to go to the skating rink, and you were going to skate to the song. So Top, Top Gun had a song, you know, and everybody was listening to that song, you know. Def Leppard, I think, was in there, you know. And then the Goonies, they had all their songs for all the young teenagers. Goonies had their song. Everybody had their song. So when that Karate Kid, praise the Lord. <laughs> karate Kid, you're going to get a girlfriend with those songs. I'm going to tell you that right now. So when they, when they shot the movie, Be- Beverly Hills Cop, they said, we've got to have a signature song. And so the Eagles had broken up, and they went to Glenn Fry and they said, can you throw a song together for this movie? And he just slapped a song together called The Heat Is On. How many of y'all remember that song? The Heat Is On. Woo! You know? 
And they listen, they only paid him $15,000 because it was so short. He threw the song together, went in, recorded it one time. They paid him $15,000, which was stupid because the song is still making money today. It's made millions and millions of dollars. Who does not know about the song we're talking about? Praise the Lord. few of you. God needs to set you free today. Amen. Do y'all remember? Tell me, can you feel it? Tell me, can you feel it? Yeah. And then I started going, he did slap it together. What do we want? Tell me, can you feel it? What's the next line? Same thing. Tell me, can you feel it? What's the next one? Tell me, can you feel it? Just draw out the it. You know, it. And then they put the saxophone in. Do y'all remember the 80s? You had a guy on a sax, and he was in the video. It was wonderful that he is on. And I remember, it was number one at the Spring Hill Roller Rink where I grew up. And I remember, I didn't even know what the heat of his own meant. But this is what it means. I want you to write down. When the heat zone means I'm under pressure. There's a deadline I got to hit. Maybe it's an expectation at work or home. But there's pressure. I'm feeling outside pressure. It just feels like there's heat on my life. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? This could even be outside peer pressure. And before the fiery furnace ever comes into play, the heat is really on these people. So we go from, so when you're reading Daniel, if you don't understand the jumps, then, then you're going to miss it. So Daniel 2 to Daniel 3, put this in your notes so you'll remember it, 15 years pass. So they go from being teenagers in Daniel 2 to in their mid to early 30s in Daniel chapter 3. And when we end Daniel 2, King Nebuchadnezzar is the most popular man in the world. He's the emperor of the biggest uh, empire. But at the end of 2, this is what he said. That he, he told him his dream. This is what we did last week. Told him, Daniel came in and said, I'm going to tell you what you're dreaming. And I'll tell you what it means. And he goes, your God is the God of all gods. And that's how it ends. But let me tell you what happens over time. People that are in power over time, you know what grows? Ego grows. And when ego grows, then your awe of God begins to diminish. So we start going, how did he go from being so God-centered and impressed with God to nothing because his ego got bigger and his fear of God got smaller? So we get to Daniel 3, and this is just pretty amazing. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, uh, governors. Everybody say governors. You can circle that word. This is what Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego are. By this time, they have become governors and are going to continue to be promoted. Governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. He made a statue of himself. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, I have no idea what that is, the lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. There, when you hear all of this, you bow down. Uh, several years ago, they dug up this statue. They found it. It's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama right now. 
You got a picture of it? Let's see. It's just right there. That's what, exactly what it looked like, okay? And still to this day, 2,500 years later, pagans go and worship it all fall. That's what they do. A lot of pagans. A lot of them. All right. Let's keep going. <laughs> and then I always find a way. Y'all know that's going to happen. It's a gift of God. <laughs> Anyone who refuses, now this is, he throws down the gauntlet. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now watch what he says. He says, it's not enough for me to be king. I want to be God. Doesn't this sound like the Garden of Eden? I mean, these guys, God created man and woman, told them to name all, all the animals. What, they are really set up as kings. But what did Satan come in and whisper to them? He says, you know, let me tell you the fact. When you eat of that fruit, you'll be like who? You'll be like God, knowing what? Knowing good from evil. There is something in the fallen nature of man. You may not want to admit this about yourself, but this is true about us. In our fallen state, you know what we really want? I want to be God, and I want to tell you what's right and what's wrong. In our worst condition, that's inside of each and every one of us. I want to be God. He says, it's not enough for me to be king. I want to call the shots, and I'll tell you what's right. I'll tell you what's good. I'll tell you what's wrong. I'll tell you what's evil. Let me tell you just a few things. Number one. It's 2,500 years later, the world still creates larger-than-life images for me to worship. 90-foot idol, I want you to bow down and worship it. We don't make idols of gold as much as they did back in these days, but we, we, we still have them around. And the images that we idolize are actors and actresses and athletes and musicians and singers. And it's insane the day that we live in the internet will popularize people that have done nothing with their life. That's the craziest thing with me. It's like people are famous just for being famous. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you look at the Kardashians or you look at Paris Hilton. I still remember her saying, I had no idea that buffaloes had wings and were eating buffalo wings. I'm like, why are they so famous? It's just like the world, <laughs> right? Y'all remember this? It's like nuts. And people pay them like a hundred grand to come to their kid's birthday party. So that, what do we do? We take an image like this and we bow down to it. Let me tell you a second thing. I am tempted. Let's make this personal. I am tempted to create a false image of myself. Isn't this the truth? That there's a temptation that I have that I want you to be impressed with me. This is the same temptation that King Nebuchadnezzar. I want everybody to look at me, bow down to me. Same thing we do. I want to portray an image of myself that may not be authentic or real, but I want you to honor me. I want more people to know me. I would like it if you envied me and adored me. And we see this every day on social media. Is that true or not true? That's why I'm like, man, I want to be really careful with the things that I'm like posting out there. I'm not saying you don't have to celebrate the things that are real. You know what I'm talking about? Things that happen in your life, celebrate it. I'm not saying you don't have to be your best. I'm saying it's very healthy to go, why am I posting this? Why am I putting this up there? Because image building and idol building are cousins. And you can idolize your own self and your own family when you look around and you go, I want, every, I want to have perfect hair. I want everybody to think I got perfect kids. <laughs> That's why we didn't post anything about our family this week. We're in a remodel. The devil came to our house. I'm going to tell you that right now. What are we going to post? Hell <laughs> and tribulation, right? Wars and rumors of wars, right? 
But it's like, I, it's so weird. I'm going to post this perfect meal, perfect everything. You just check that, right? Check the motives. That's what believers do. One time we were leaving this house, and this guy came. He said, I, I had a few friends with me. He's like, uh, Pastor Marcus, I want you to see this uh, BMW that I bought. I was like, sure, you know. And let me just tell you, I don't care what kind of car you drive. You can drive a nice, brand-new car. Great. Let me borrow it, you know. You could drive a clunker. I like driving in clunkers. Makes me pray a little more. You know what I'm saying? I like it. I even like the smell of it. You know, I, it does not matter to me what you drive. But he was like, and I was like, oh, what? Well, congratulations. He's like, yeah, I've been doing good on my job. And I'm telling you, this turned awkward so fast because I had a guy next to me, and he was looking at the car, and it had BMW emblems and everything on it, you know. And he looked at, he looked at me and said, that ain't a BMW. And then when we went, I said, well, yeah, it is. He said, pop the hood. And the guy goes, I, I can't do that. And he said, that's a Hyundai. And it was. And it got awkward fast because he had bought a Hyundai and then took the Hyundai emblems off, put BMW on it. And it was just a Hyundai. And then he started laughing. Ah, it's a Hyundai. And I was like, I'd like to have a Hyundai. I was driving that Taurus. You know what I mean? And then he got so embarrassed. I mean, like, you could cut the tension with the knife. He got so embarrassed. He's like, please don't tell people that I drive a Hyundai over a BMW. But when I was driving away from there, of course, I was laughing at him. But uh, I was driving away, and it hit me, the inner turmoil he must have went through. Like, to think I need to portray something that I'm not because I want people to be, I want people to be, Impressed with an image of myself, not who I am. How much insecurity comes with that? You know what I'm talking about? The image that we, that we portray to the public. Some people live in things they can't afford to impress people they don't even like. You know what I'm saying? And so he's like, the intimidation of man that comes with that. He's like, look, but let's keep going with this passage, okay? So these guys decide to do what is right. I want you all to write this principle in. Doing the right thing is always going to make someone angry. <clears throat> you're going to have to get good with that. <clears throat> Some of you think, if I'm just perfect, and I, and I say the perfect things, and I walk in perfect love, and if I do the right things all the time and act the right way all the time, more people are going to like me. I want everybody to listen to me. That's not true. Right? You're going to fail, and people are not going to like you just because you're perfect. Jesus was perfect, walked in perfect love, did everything right, and they killed him for it. Amen? And when you do the right things, all, people are going to get angry with you, and you're going to have to be good with that. Listen to me, because that's going to happen at your job. And if you're raising kids, sooner or later, that's going to happen with them. And you're going to have to be fine with the conflict of saying, you know what, in this house, we're going to do what's right. Everybody said amen? So they looked, King Nebuchadnezzar said, when, when that zither hits, everybody's going to bow down, Right? Right? That, when the zither goes, everybody bow. And this is what they said. Listen, you may be king, we'll honor you. Right? You're in charge, and you ask us to do something, we're going to do it. But there's only one God, and we only bow down to him. He is our God in heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth. You're not God. We bow only to him. Woo! And immediately anger hit. I'm going to tell you, when you read this story, I, I jotted this down in my journal. There's three types of people you see in this story. I think there's three types of people in this earth. They're, write this down. There are those who are stuck up. 
There are those who kiss up, and there are those who stand up. And you're either one of those three people. King Nebuchadnezzar was stuck up. He wanted the world to revolve around him and what he wanted immediately. He didn't care about anybody else. He wanted everybody to bow down and serve him. He was stuck up. Then all the bureaucrats around him, what were they? They were kiss-ups. You know what kiss-ups do? They only flatter. Flattery is when you tell something to somebody's face and you would never say that thing behind their back. You tell them what they want to hear and you just butter them up. That's a kiss-up. But then when you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know what they were? They were men that stood up. And they said, we, we are rock-ribbed, we got steel in our backbone, and we're going to stand up. But my question is, what are you really in the workplace? Are you stuck up? Do you see anybody else's needs and anybody else's hurts? Are you there only for yourself? Or whether you're at home, do you have a backbone? Are you stuck up? Do you kiss up? Do you just flatter people? Do you just make them feel good about themselves? Do you ever sit down and say, I love you enough that i got to tell you something tough right now? Are you a stand-up person that goes, you know what? At the end of the day, there is a line in the sand. And when you cross it, you're going to see me put my shoulders back. And I'm not giving ground to this. God needs more and more men and women who are willing to stand up for him. Somebody say amen. Watch the anger that happens. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. This is his narcissism. Listen to me, when you have a narcissist in your life, they're going to get mad when anything doesn't go exactly how they want it to go. Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the golden stature I have set up? You see how narcissist is all about me, me, I, I, I. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. And when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And now watch what he says. We're about to have a, a God type challenge. And then what God will be able to rescue you from? What, what is he saying? From my, my power. He's like, we're about to find out who's God, me or your God. And I'm gonna, let me give you a few quick things and we'll get out of here. We're going to finish this up next time I speak. You guys ready? When you are walking through the fire and you go, right now the heat is on, how do I respond? Now let me tell you something. There's nine more principles in this passage we're not going to get to, but let me tell you a few of them. Here's one you do. Number one, you don't defend yourself. You just don't do it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. That sounds a lot like Jesus before Pilate. He didn't say a word. He just shut his mouth, let him pull his beard, and spit on his face. It's like, I, ain't got any, I have no need to defend myself. Let me just tell you, there's going to be times in your life where the heat is on. The best thing you can do is shut your mouth. You don't need to be your own personal firefighter. God owns all the water on the planet, and he can put out the fires in your life himself. you got to trust that he is the defender. Amen. He's a good firefighter. Here's the second thing. Never forget God has power to save. Never forget it. He has power. Stats don't matter to God. 
The circumstances that you're going in doesn't matter to God. He can turn it around and he can do it instantly. He has the power to save. He has the power to restore. He has the power to deliver. He has the power to heal. Everybody said amen. Yeah, uh, do you have this, this picture of Neil and his, and his buddy? This, Neil Greathouse is on the right. He's preached here several times uh, at New Life. Many of you, you've been around here. You've heard him preach three or four times. Most of you don't know, Neil has type 1 diabetes, and he is a national spokesman for uh, American Diabetes Foundation, whatever it is. And, and now internationally, he does a lot for them. And he just spoke this week in Nashville, Tennessee. The guy on his right's great-grandfather is A.W. Tozer. Anybody heard of A.W. Tozer in here? Just a phenomenal Christian writer. And his name is E.W. Tozer. Eric just did this. He did the World Marathon, which meant he ran seven marathons in seven days on all seven continents. Okay? So, it can, yeah, I know, but I was impressed. But, you know, Proverbs 28 says, the wicked run when no one chases. So I don't run. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <coughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> but they were, they were interviewing me. <laughs> so if y'all ever see me running, just swerve over and hit the person running next to me. All right, so, <laughs> uh, so he said after this, and he's got type 1 diabetes, and he was speaking at this conference, and, and he said at the conference, he said, you know, even though I have this type 1 diabetes in me, the thing that I had to get over was my own limited thinking. And he said, and I realized that my body can do just about anything that I want it to do. And I'm going to tell you this, when you're going through a tough time, you cannot have limited faith in, the, in what God can do in your situation. And, and he just says, I, listen, so you say, I, God has the power to save, but I'll say, this is how he said it. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save. And then watch the faith here. He says, he will rescue us from your power. He's going to do it. He will do it. Here's the next thing I want you to write down. This is, it gets so good in verse 18. Be loyal to God no matter what. Like, I believe he's able to do it. I believe he will do it. Watch verse 18. But even if God doesn't save us, boy, isn't this different than a lot of people's faith? God, I'm going to serve you if you save me. But if you don't, I'm hitting the bar tonight. Right? So a lot of people. So watch what he says. Even if he doesn't save us, we will never bow down. Boy, look at that backbone. Even if it doesn't come through like I wanted it to. People go, Marcus, I, I, I don't want to get disappointed having faith in God, you know, and so I just don't really put my faith out there that he's going to do anything. Has it ever not worked out the way you wanted it, Marcus? All the time. It worked out better than I thought it was going to. Amen? No matter how it worked out, I get six months later and go, it was better. I'm glad it worked out the way God wanted it to work out. But even if God doesn't save us, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. You see that? I'm never backing down. I'm in this to the death. Amen? So write this down. I'm an eternal being. I'm in it. Even if it hurts. Tell you one quick story. We'll get out of here. We accidentally moved Austin, my son, up from coach pitch to kid pitch a year early. I didn't know. And so, uh, so we saw that the team was signing up. We were supposed to do one more year of coach pitch, got into kid pitch, one of the first games. So Austin is uh, seven turning eight, 
And one of the first games he played against a team, their pitchers were 10 turning 11. And so it, it looked like David versus Goliath up there. And they put this big kid on the mound, and, uh, and he starts throwing seeds. I mean, he's just huge. Doesn't went through puberty, you know. He's probably from Greenwood area. And uh, so uh, he gets up there, and he's just zoom. And so uh, we had played a little bit of game when they pulled it, put him in, and he's just throwing so hard. And he hit the first five kids that we put up there. He just drilled them. Boom. Boom. It's the first time I've ever seen kids crying as they crossed home plate, you know? And so then Austin, Austin gets in there. He looks so little. And I'm over there coaching first base going, dear God, don't let him die here. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just watching him. And he looks at me, and he had to make a decision. Am I going to bail or am I going to stand in this box? And so in my mind, this could turn out like a Disney movie. He stays in there, and, uh, and he swings and jacks one out of the park, and it's a grand slam, and we all get on Instagram about it. But it didn't. He drilled Austin, too. Boom! He hit him, and hit him so hard in the arm, the seams of the ball stayed on his arm for a month. It was crazy. And, so, and I got so mad, I broke my clipboard, and I resigned from the pastor of this church for about an hour. But... uh. When he, got to, when he got down to first base and he is standing there, I'm like, are you okay? And he goes, I didn't bail. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, good. And he's like, I didn't cry. He was so proud that he didn't cry. You know? And I said, did it hurt? And he's like, it hurt so bad. You know? There are going to be times that you're going to have to just stand in there and go, hey, what I'm going through right now, no matter what happens, my faith in God. Sometimes God, he saves you from suffering. And I love that. Like, whoo, we could have suffered, but God plucked me out of it. How many of y'all love that about God? Yay, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But sometimes he walks through suffering with you. That's what he does in the fiery furnace. That's when you're like, man, he walked through what my marriage was going through. He walked through bankruptcy with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wish I'd have been plucked out, but he was in that fiery furnace with me. Through it, I went, and that's how he did with us. We walked through cancer together as a family. Four people that we love got cancer at the same time. We just walked through that, you know? I'm going to tell you this. There's some of you in here, God is, is wanting to save you by the suffering. There, there are people in this room that are serving God, and you go, you know what? God... God allowed something to come into my life to be the wake-up call. I'm so thankful I went to rehab. I'm so thankful I got cuffs put on me. I'm so, so thankful that things just, it was like smelling salts to me because the problem wasn't what had entered the life. The problem was you didn't have a relationship with God. And you're like, I'm just so thankful that that happened. I'm like, I wouldn't be thankful for that, but I'm thankful you're serving God. Some of y'all know this about God. He's more concerned with your character than your comfort, right? But no matter where, where it is, he's a good God. Amen. He's leading you down the best pathway for your life. Stand up. Stand up. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you this, and we'll finish this message up. You need some people. You don't know when you're going to enter that furnace, but you better have some people walking through you with it. Hold your hands out like this, and let me pray over you. Father, we love you. I pray for heaven's best over every person in this room this week especially the people that feel like the heat is on their life right now. I pray that they will have confidence 
that you're with them. You never leave us nor forsake us. But I also pray that you will put some amazing men and women of God to walk through life with them as well. We love you. Let this word sink into our hearts. May we never forget it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. If you need prayer for anything, anything at all, please let us know by visiting us online at newlifechurch.tv or by downloading the NLC app on your smartphone. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message each weekend. Thanks again for listening to New Life Church.